0: Well good morning and welcome to Brighton Road Baptist Church, great to see you here, great to have you joining us online. We've got a couple of announcements to kick off the service this morning. Marion, first of all, can I invite you just to share something?
1: Good morning, everyone. Just very quickly, a reminder that we have an opportunity to come together as a fellowship, but also to invite our friends along to an event which is happening on the 20th, which is a week Saturday, starting at 2 o'clock. It's a a film afternoon, Um, so it will be a film based upon classic literature. I'm diverting slightly from Austin, which... I'll be okay. Um, but uh, so you're all very welcome. And if you'd like to bring your children as well, there'll be a film available for them too. So look forward to seeing you and your friends.
0: Okay, see you. Fantastic, thank you. Ben, you've got just a minute to talk about tomorrow. Um, so I'm doing a evangelism day tomorrow with some of the guys from the CU because we had so many bank holidays this term, I thought, why don't we try and get something on a bank holiday um, instead of missing all the sessions. So we're doing a bit of an evangelism day tomorrow. We're going to be talking about evangelism and then hopefully getting doing some uh, evangelism, praying for people in the afternoon. Um, that's the plan. So yeah. Okay, can we pray for you? Yeah. Father, thank you for putting this in Ben's heart. Thank you that people will be out and about tomorrow. And thank you for the opportunity to declare that Jesus is our King. We pray that you'd equip people in the morning session and you'd empower them in the afternoon session. And go with them and may they be conscious of your presence and your working through them to touch people's lives. So bless him and all those working with him, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Leave the pulpit alone, Ben. Thank you. Okay, our call to worship is taken from Psalm 30. I will praise you, Lord. You saved me from the grave and kept my enemies enemies from celebrating my death. I prayed to you, Lord God. And you healed me, saving me from death and the grave. Your faithful people, Lord, will praise you with songs and honour your holy name. Your anger lasts a little while, but your kindness lasts for a lifetime. At night, we may cry, but when morning comes, we will celebrate. And let's celebrate in in the brightness of Christ's resurrection as we stand to sing, Come, people of the risen King. Amen. Do please be seated and let's pray. Bless God, although we can't see and know the depth of your being, we worship and adore you for what we do see and what we do know. Because we find in you protection, guidance, love. We find in you forgiveness acceptance and repentance. We see in you a way of living that is right and just and loving and caring. And when we feel the spark of your spirit in the depths of our beings, we know you to be true. And Lord, while we there's so much about you that we don't know, you know all about us. You look into our hearts You know us inside out and you've promised never to leave us and never forsake us. Thank you that you are with us here and now and every day in every place. Blessed God, Father, Son and Holy Spirit, as you are one, may we be one with you and with each other. We ask in Jesus' name. Amen. I'm going to invite you to join with me in saying a special version of the Lord's Prayer. It was written uh, for the Baptist Union group for those with learning disabilities, so the language is designed to be accessible. The same themes of the Lord's Prayer, but put in, in more ordinary language. So can I invite you to say this version of the Lord's Prayer together with me? God in heaven, you are very special. We want you to be our king. And for everyone to do what you say here in Horsham as in heaven. Give us today the food we need. We're sorry when we are nasty or unkind. And we forgive those who are unkind and hurt us. Keep us safe from badness. For you are the king of everything. You are the strongest. And we worship you for always. Amen. Amen. How many people watched the coronation yesterday? Okay, quite a few. We had a chance to join in yesterday and say we wanted Charles to be our king. Did some of you do that? Okay, yes, yeah, some of you did, that's all right, that's good. There was controversy because over 50 people who didn't want Charles to be their king and wanted to protest about it were arrested in London yesterday. In that prayer, we got a chance to say to God, we want you to be our king. God is Lord, God is sovereign, but for now, we get to choose. The time will come when every knee will bow and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord, but for now, we get to say, God, I want you to be my king. I actually loved the service yesterday. I thought it was very clear that Charles, as king was coming not to be served, but to serve, modelling himself on Jesus, and that his rule was subject to the authority of the King of Kings. And while some people say, well, we don't really need a correlation, do we? I think actually it's spelt out the meaning and purpose of his role. As head of state, it's his job to represent the unity and the integrity of the nation at home and abroad. And that actually is quite a heavy burden at the moment. That's a big ask when we say God save the king it's a way of expressing he needs all the help he can get God help him Um, so I'm going to invite you if you would like to to stand and sing the first verse of the national anthem just praying for him and commending him to God and God's care and asking God's blessing on him and his family and our country during the period of his reign so can I invite you should you wish to do so to stand and we'll sing the first words of the national anthem you knew it well enough to get the last line there. There's always a bit of controversy again about how much of the King's English is spoken on the BBC. And um, we have some words that apparently are amongst the most difficult words to say in the English language. I'm going to borrow Louise's microphone and I'm going to ask if anyone feels clever enough to be able to pronounce the words correctly, stick your hand up, I'll come and let you say what the word is. So the first word, anyone feel educated? Come on in. Thorough, thank you very much indeed. Some people say through, but it is thorough. The second county name. I can see you mouthing it, Maya. Come on.
2: Worcestershire.
0: Worcestershire, thank you, one of those words that isn't pronounced the way it's spelt. Okay, okay, this one, I think this is quite easy to pronounce, but some people have difficulty with it, I keep pressing too many words, whatever, they'll stay there, okay, so, Louise, have your microphone and say something good, squirrel, squirrel. some people say squirrel, but it is squirrel, okay, the next one, Louise. In the King's English, you think you can do this? <laughs> yeah.
1: Colloquialism.
0: Cloquil- Colloquialism. It's a que. Quealism. Colloquialism. Thank you. With the Irish, I'm all Irish accent. That's great. Okay, fantastic. Okay, next one. Mary. Mischievous. Mischievous, thank you. Some people say mischievous, but it is absolutely 100% pronounced correctly. Thank you, maybe mischievous. Next one, I learned this one at school. Adrian. Onomatopoeia. Onomatopoeia, thank you. And what does it mean? Do you know what it means? I think it's when successive words start with the same letter. It all sounds like it is, so uh, sizzling sausages and snap and stuff. Brilliant, thank you, that's great. Okay, where are we? Okay, the longest word that some people know. Okay, Robin. (laughs) Anti-disestablishmentarianism. Thank you, and what what does it mean? Um, If you're against the disestablishment of the church. Thank you. Yes. The the king is currently the head of the church under the constitution. That came across very clearly yesterday. This is a word that looks nothing like how it's spelt. Oh, come on. Diarrhea. Diarrhea, good man, excellent. And I won't ask you to describe what it is. That's okay. Okay, similar, similar theme. Anyone? Terry. Ah, you see, you see. The website I looked up says it's nauseous. Not nauseous, nauseous. But there you go. Okay, and?
2: Wednesday.
0: Wednesday. Thank you. Yeah, okay. And the last one. Ah, this is the toughest one of all. Saying sorry. Sorry. We don't like or find it easy to say sorry. We can pronounce it okay, but actually spitting the word out sometimes can be quite a struggle. You might have been told as a child, or you might have said to your children, say sorry. Sorry! And then the next line is, well, say it and mean it. But what if you don't? What if you're being told to say sorry and you really don't mean it at all? What if... If you, if you say the words, all right, so, but um, you're thinking inside, I don't want to. It wasn't my fault. It was an accident. One of our children always used to say that. Ax-didn't That's what they used to say. It was an accident. I didn't mean to do it. So and so is to blame, not me. Saying the word sorry only works if you mean it. And there's all sorts of reasons why people say sorry. We've got bits of paper on the table, uh, but there are different reasons why we might say sorry. It might be, I regret what I've done. I don't want to get into trouble for it. I just want you to forgive me. I just want to make things better, is what you want me to say. I want to make you feel better. I want to move on and forget all about it. I feel guilty, you're upset, what I did was wrong. Just for a couple of minutes, can I invite you to sift through the different bits of paper and categorise them? This is a good reason to say sorry. This is a bad reason to say sorry. This can sometimes be a good reason to say sorry. So, what are the reasons? What are the good reasons? What are the bad reasons? And what can sometimes be a fair reason to say sorry? Just have a chat in your tables, in the balcony. There are pieces of paper up there, in the middle and over there. If you would like to get one and have the conversation amongst yourselves as well, you are very welcome to do so. But the words are on the screen too. And if you're watching at home, can I invite you just to think this through in your own minds? What are the good reasons, the bad reasons to say sorry? What have you said in the past? What's worked? What what does it mean to you? Thank you. Okay, is any group sus this? Any group willing to share the benefits of their wisdom with the rest of us? Thank you, Mary. Wonderful. Can I ask you, first of all, to say the, the bad reasons for saying sorry? You, you, you tell me what you've done, that's fine.
2: Okay. Yeah, we we actually divided ours into three, those that we thought were um, not so good, it's what you want me to say, I don't want to get into trouble, I want to move on and forget about it. And then there were some others which were not as bad as those, but not what we call, well, well, the ones that we thought were really good, I regret what I have done, what I did was wrong. Those were the best reasons. The middle ones were, I want to make you feel better, I just want to make things better, I just want you to forgive me, you're upset, those were the middle ones.
0: Okay, thank you. But the prime ones were, I regret what I've done, and what I did was wrong. Okay, are people happy with that? Any dissenters? Uh, I didn't put the regret one in there. Did you not? No. Okay, you th- don't think sorry is about saying regret? No, no, I just think, yeah. i, yeah. Think, I, I For me, regret is, I mean, in the moment maybe, you might regret in the moment, but I wouldn't want to be continuing to regret things. No, indeed. We're going to think about that in a minute. Thank you. That's really helpful. Yeah, we are. Yeah. (laughs) And I didn't prompt you, did I? That's really good. Okay. Anything else? Any other thoughts on that? Okay, lovely. Thank you. Cheers. Over the years, uh, some of you might have listened to Simon Mayo on the radio. And he's done something on and off, initially on on the BBC and now on Greatest Hits Radio, something called Confessions. Have people listened to Simon Mayo's Confessions at all? Yeah, some of you, those of you who don't know, it's a situation where people send in something that they've done in the past, uh, sometimes a long time ago, sometimes fairly recently, uh, and they're, they're seeking forgiveness for it. And they tell their story, and he and the panel decide between them whether the person should be forgiven. And I wanted to share one of those stories with you. Uh, Someone was saying that it's something that happened when they were a child that's haunted them for most of their adult life. Dates back to the 1970s. When life was simpler then, as they put it, Uh, your menu choice wasn't as extensive, and what was put on the table was put in front of you had a choice. You could eat it, or you could eat it. That that was basically it. And uh, you didn't leave the table until you'd finished what was in front of you. And this particular child had an intense dislike for mashed potato, particularly lumpy mashed potato. And his mum wasn't very good at making mashed potato. And on this particular occasion, the meal was there. They all sat down. Him and his brother and his parents and his dad said to him, you're not leaving the table until that plate is clear. And he sat it out and the mashed potato got colder and colder and more and more unappetizing. His dad, his mum, his brother finished their meal and left the room and he was stuck there. He couldn't face eating it at all. He thought about putting it in the bin, but he knew his dad would check to see whether the bin was empty or not. He thought about giving it to the dog, because the dog was there as well, but the dog didn't look too keen. It was just saying, look at what they make me eat. Um, And what if the dog kind of licked it or took a bite and spat it out and that just didn't bear thinking about? So that that wasn't an option. Pondered and then... Then he hit upon the genius idea of putting the mashed potato in his trouser pockets, (laughs) which he duly did, and called out, "Dad, finished!" His dad came in, very suspicious, knew there's no way he could have eaten the mashed potato. And his dad knew that the son knew that his dad knew that he couldn't have eaten the mashed potato. But what what was to be done? The dad checked in the bin, no sign in the bin. He had to admit defeat and say, okay, you can go. So moving rather awkwardly, he got up and left the room and went to the toilet to dispose of the mashed potato. His first thought had been to flush it down the toilet, but what if it didn't go down? what if it got stuck or blocked the toilet eventually he decided the only solution was to throw it out of the window and talking about why he was seeking forgiveness after all these he says both my parents are dead Um, I'm not asking my dad's forgiveness no one should be made to eat lumpy mashed potato I'm not asking my mum's forgiveness no one should make lumpy mashed potato, and although he felt a bit bad about the trousers that went in the dirty washing, his mum had washed dirtier things before in the past, he said the reason he was asking forgiveness was that they lived in a high-rise block of flats on the fourth floor. And he was seeking forgiveness from the innocent passers-by below who were suddenly spattered by falling mashed potato from a great height. He wondered whether they might be able to blame mutant seagulls in Paisley, but actually he felt all this time he felt bad for the innocent passers-by and if anyone had been affected by what he'd done, he was seeking their forgiveness for it. So again, just for a minute, round your tables, should this boy be forgiven for what he's done all those years ago or not? Over to you. Okay, can I ask for your verdict, please? How many people think he should be forgiven for what he did? Okay, how many people think he should not be forgiven for what he did? I'm glad we're a forgiving community. That's great. Anybody willing to say why they think this lad should be forgiven for his crime of bespattering innocent passers by with mashed potato? Anyone willing to defend him or give a reason why he should be forgiven? Okay. Just because we forgive people? Is that, yeah, Terry, is that you? How do you, know hit by? How do you know it hit people passing by? I've only got his word for it. I don't know. Okay, but we are a forgiving community and that is fine. Thank you. That's good. Thank you, Louise. It's fascinating disturbing the way which childhood memories, things that we've done, can lodge in our minds and make us feel bad decades down the line. Sometimes as adults we, we remember things that happened and they still have the capacity to make us cringe and shrivel up inside, just feel awful about what we did. It can be really hard and guilt is a wretched thing it makes people feel humiliated rotten worthless tense sad it makes you feel heavy it makes you feel overweight it makes you anxious it can make you lonely it can make you stressed ashamed and afraid so when When the Bible says we should admit what we've done God tells us to do that because that is the way of being released from the guilt of the past. In some sense, in a jokey kind of fashion, people get in touch with Simon Mayo because they want to be released from a burden of guilt they've carried all these years. That's not our automatic reaction. If we've done something wrong instinctively we might deny it or minimise it or blame somebody else or find excuses but if we admit it then God can forgive it. There's a verse in the Bible that says if we confess our sins to God, he can always be trusted to forgive us and take our sins away. God doesn't want us to say sorry because he wants to make us feel guilty. God wants us to say sorry because when we admit what we've done, he can forgive us and release us from the past. Now we've been working our way through Paul's letter to Corinth and that the Corinthian church had upset Paul big time and he wrote They. Paul wrote them a letter to let them know how much they'd upset him and his letter upset them. Listen to what Paul has to say to the Corinthian church. Can we have the reading please? Just a short one from 2 Corinthians chapter 7. Paul says, look, I don't feel bad anymore, even though my letter hurt your feelings. I did feel bad at first, but I don't now. I know that the letter hurt you for a while, but now I'm happy. Not because I hurt your feelings. It's because God used your hurt feelings to make you turn back to him, and none of you were harmed by us. When God makes you feel sorry enough, to turn to him and be saved, you don't have anything to feel bad about. But when this world makes you feel sorry, it can cause you death. And Paul contrasts there two different kinds of sorry. When God makes you sorry enough to turn to him and be saved. Can we keep the reading up there, please? When God makes you sorry enough to turn to him and be saved, that's different from the world making you sorry, because that leads to death. And that's precisely what you were talking about, Andrea, about regret. It's easy to be trapped in a sense of regret. Oh, I wish I hadn't done that. I wish I could put the clock back. I wish I could get rid of these feelings of guilt. And we go over and over and over things in our minds, over and over again, and we never break free of them. There is a regret that traps us in guilt and is death-like. And we never change as a result of that. But sometimes God makes us sorry, and when God puts his finger on something in our lives and says, that was wrong, that hurt somebody else, you shouldn't have done that. He does that not because he wants to make us upset and guilty and sad and full of regret, he does it because he wants to say, yes, God, I'm sorry, I'm not finding excuses. I'm not trying to blame anybody else. I'm not saying it was circumstances. I'm not saying it wasn't my fault. It was wrong, and I shouldn't have done it, and I'm sorry. And when we say that, God says, fine. I forgive you. That's why Jesus came. That's why Jesus died, to release us from the guilt of the past and to change us so we can say, I can let go of that now. I'm not trapped by that now. I'm not imprisoned by that now. I can let it go. I can turn around and I can walk in a different direction away from it, a new person, because God has changed me and forgiven me and released me from the past. That's why God says, admit it. Admit what you've done. Let me forgive you and let me release you from the guilt of your past, whatever that is. And some of us have got far more serious things in our past than throwing mashed potato out of a window. But whatever it is, God says, come on, admit it, let's sort it out. Let me release you from it and let it go. And the key distinction between worldly grief and godly grief is that worldly grief traps you in sin and shame and guilt and despair and leads to death. But godly grief, when the Holy Spirit convicts you of something wrong, it's because God wants to forgive you and release you from it and turn your life around and lead you from death into life. So there will be times when God puts his finger on your life, on something in something life and I think, oh no! But that's not the end of the world. Just say, God, I'm sorry. And God says, that's fine, I forgive you. Let's start again. Let's move on from that and leave it in the past. Some of you have been doing tremendous works of art with the crosses that are on the table, and that is amazing. Thank you. Brilliant. I'm going to invite you, if you'd like, to colour in the crosses now, because we're going to sing some songs at the front. The crosses have got thorns in them. That might be a reflection of the, the tangled mess that sin makes of our lives, of the pain and suffering that sin can cause and the way all, which all of that Jesus carried on the cross. And while we sing, you might just to listen and soak up the words of the music and colour in, and just say, thank you, Jesus, for taking all the mess and the pain for me on the cross. If you're not into colouring, that's fine. You are welcome to sing the songs as well, actually, and to worship with us as we do so. But this is a chance to think and reflect and listen Or to sing. We're going to stay seated as we sing three songs together about Jesus' forgiveness. Invite to join with me at a time of confession, just using actions to express the different things we're saying to God For Can I invite you, first of all, to make a fist and just say, Lord, we're sorry for the times that we've got angry with other people. make a finger pointing at other people around you and, Lord, I'm sorry for the way which I've blamed other people instead of taking responsibility for my own faults. I've looked for the speck in other people's eyes and ignored the plank in my own. Well, I'm sorry for being blind to my own faults and finding fault with everybody else. And just close up your hand gently and hold it close to your chest. And God, I'm sorry for the time when I've been selfish. I've kept things for my own use. I've not been generous. Other people have needed or wanted what I've been able to give and I haven't given it or shared it. Lord, forgive my selfishness. put your hand over your mouth Lord I'm sorry for all those things I said that have been untrue or have hurt other people or have caused harm or damage to other people's lives And to hand over your eyes. And Lord, I'm sorry for those times when I've closed my eyes against other people's needs. I've not seen, I've not looked for opportunities to do what's good. Forgive me for all those things I've seen and watched that I shouldn't have done. For so often my eyes are open to what is wrong and closed to what is good. Open my eyes to your goodness, Lord, and to opportunities to share it. I'm putting a hand over one ear, not both ears, otherwise you won't hear what I say. But Lord, sorry for those times when I haven't listened haven't listened to someone in need, haven't had time for someone who needed the opportunity to talk, for the ways I've shut out the cries of those who are poor or who suffer injustice. Forgive me for my deafness to your word into my life. And now, just hold the hand out with the palm open, facing upwards, to receive from Jesus. Jesus says, if you are tired from carrying heavy burdens, come to me and I will give you rest. So we bring all that we are to Jesus, including all our sins and all our failures, all our shortcomings, we say, thank you, Jesus, that you died for me so that I might be forgiven and start a new life in the power of your Holy Spirit. And you might like, with your free hand, just to trace the shape of a cross on the hand you've held out, just a way of reminding yourself that through the cross your sins are forgiven and you're dedicating your life to Jesus, who gave his life for you. And if you feel like it, you could trace the sign of the cross on the palm of the person next to you and just say, your sins are forgiven, for Jesus' sake. Again, no obligation to do that, but if you'd like to do that, you're welcome to do so. Trace the sign of the cross on the palm of the person you're sitting with and just say, your sins are forgiven, for Jesus' sake. if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins cleanse us from all unrighteousness thank you Jesus, Amen you know George George was the little boy who hated saying sorry he knew his mum and dad and baby brother loved him very much but there were just days when he was a nasty little boy. And he knew it, and he didn't like it, he didn't like himself, but there were times when he was just in a bad mood, and it seemed there was nothing he could do about it. And this was one of those days. He'd shouted at his mum, and really upset her and made her sad. He'd stuck his tongue out at his dad, made his dad really quite angry, And he pinched his little brother and made his little brother cry. Everybody was upset with George and he knew it. And he went to the bedroom and shut the door and felt miserable as well as sad and angry. After a while, he thought he wanted a biscuit. But that would mean going and talking to his mum. And his mum was upset with him. Normally this time of day, someone read a story with him. But that was his dad. And his dad was upset with him. Perhaps he could play with his little brother. No. He'd hurt his little brother and his brother was upset with him. But George didn't like saying sorry. So he sat it out. And nothing happened. So he thought he'd give it a go. Sorry, he said, quietly under his breath. But nobody heard him. They were all downstairs, and even in his room. He said it a bit louder. Sorry. Still not loud enough for anybody else to hear. There was only one thing he could do. Got up out of his room, went downstairs, opened the door to where everybody else was stood there, and they all turned and looked at him. I'm sorry, George said. And burst into tears. So he didn't get his biscuit at first, anyway. He didn't get a story. His little brother didn't come and play with him. But they all came over to him and gave him a great big hug. And his dad told him how much they all loved him. And that made all the difference in the world. We're going to close by singing loved before... The dawn of time. invite you to share together in the words of the grace. May the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with us all evermore.